It's uh, my pleasure to introduce uh, our speaker tonight, Ken Benjamin, and he was here, how many, was it 2019-ish? Um, at that time, he was the president of the Baptist Union and a minister of a church uh, down in Chichester, yep, down in Chichester, and since then, he has moved on to a role in LICC, London Institute for Contemporary Christianity, which if you've done the front line, fruitfulness on the front line course, uh, you will know about LICC. As it so happens, on Wednesday night in Living the Life, if you are new to our church, or if, even if you've been a part of our church for a while, but you're not entirely sure what we're about, and you have a lot of questions about why and how we do things, uh, then I do encourage you to come along on a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, same time as Alpha, uh, have a dessert together, get to know a few people a bit better, get to know some of the leaders a bit better, they can get to know you, you can ask them questions, and there's different things that we go over each week, things that are core to our identity as a church, and as it so happens, this week is actually the second week of Living Life on the Frontline, that course, and Paul will be doing that, uh, and from what I've heard, you have to bring something along that represents where you spend the most time in your week, so if you are a vet, it might be a cat's collar. I don't know, I'm making that up. If you're a, um, you spend most of your time in your garden, you might bring a trowel. Whatever it might be, you bring something along. So if you would like to join Living the Life, it would be a great week to join it this week. Do come along. Let us know uh, if you want a dessert so that we can book you in. Uh, it'd be lovely to see you there. With that in mind, I'm going to show a little video that we showed this morning that Ken brought which gives you a flavor of what LICC is trying to encourage um, in congregations around the country as we go out into our weeks. Every day, God sends us, his people, young, old, and everyone in between, out into his world, to the places we normally go, work and school, gym and shop, field and factory, to the people he's put us alongside, to do good work that brings good to others, ministering love and grace, snuffing out injustice and speaking truth with kindness, sharing Jesus in word and deed to see brows unfurrow, hearts soften, wounds heal, people set free. Home, school, work, a nation changed, day by day. So as Ken uh, comes up, can I encourage you as he speaks to think of that place that you might be uh, tomorrow morning or later on. Where do you spend most of your time during the week? If we could just go over to the other computer. If there are any questions, I will ask them after the sermon. If there aren't, uh, we will get on with our evening and share some drinks and chat together. Welcome. Whoa, pressure. Good, good evening, everybody. 
Great start and great to be with you. Thanks, thanks Deb, thanks Sheila and the band for, for leading us. And great intro into our theme this evening with that last song as well. My confidence is your faithfulness. We're going to be looking at that theme of faithfulness. Deb's already introduced me. I'm here with my wife, Sue, as I was. Uh, we came together three and a half years ago. I seem to remember last time I came, I used lots of golfing illustrations and your golf society was away that weekend, I think. So I missed... So that completely fell on stony ground, that idea. But golf is one of my front lines, the language that you're already familiar with using. And that's what we're about as an organization, equipping people for front lines when we're here. So our time here is like a half-time team talk in a sport with two halves, trying to equip one another for the places we spend the majority of our time, like in that video where God sends us into the places we work and study and live and connect with others. And so we're going to look at that, but within that in particular, we're going to look at a theme of confidence. As Deborah said, my name is Ken Benjamin. I, I lead the church-facing work at LICC, so I'm Church Relationships Director. If you want to follow me or anything, um, you may already have noticed that my name's Rhyme, Ken Ben. Um, that was deliberate by my dad, and it is worse than that, because my middle name is Leonard. So I really am Ken Len Ben, which was a deliberate joke by my dad. The only joke he ever made is in his entire life, I think, if I'm honest with you. But some advantages to it are that I think it's generally said in a friendly way. It's quite hard to say Ken Len Ben in an aggressive or angry way. And that wasn't taken as a name on Twitter or Facebook or Insta or any other social media. I didn't need to add any numbers by it. Seems to me that nobody else has that name. So if you want to follow me and what we're saying, I try to equip people on this theme. And what we're looking at is everyday confidence today, everyday as and wherever we will find ourselves. And I'm going to use some verses from Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17 and verses 7 to 8. Only verse 7 is on the screen, but I'll read beyond it. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green, it goes on to say. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. It really is great to be with you. Donald and I are old friends, and when he is back from his break, please emphasize the old bit to him. When you see him, we've known each other for a long time. And as Deb said, I was president of the Baptist Union when I came to you and also pastoring a church very like this, but with a different accent on the South Coast. And so we had a lot in common. But my route to LICC was like this. I was president of the Baptist Union because I had this burden for our stream of churches that some churches are doing okay, but overall in the UK, our churches are aging and declining. And we can't be okay with that because we have the message of hope. And God wants his church to grow. And God's church is growing faster than ever before globally. But it's not a given that that would happen in our stream in our time. And yet surely he would want that. So I invited as many churches as possible to join in that story and pray about it. And beyond praying about it, one of the things that we felt was key was surely we'll never get anywhere until we equip God's people for their everywhere wherever you find yourself. It's not just about inviting people in, because fewer people will come in. Some will, 
but fewer will. And so surely it's got to be about us equipping ourselves here for there. And as soon as you do that, you end up, I think, using the resources of LICC, which I did, because they're trailblazers in that area of equipping people for their front lines for the whole of their lives. And so I did that, and towards the end of my time as president, LICC approached me, I'd already been a speaker for them, and said, that thing that you're doing for one denomination, the Baptist Union of Great Britain, Baptist Together, will you do it across denominations and across churches, across the churches that we reach? And so that's what I now do. So Sue and I have the privilege of traveling all around the country and spending time with different churches. And can I say, <clears throat> from what we see, that this is a tricky time, actually, to be a church leader. So, you know, Donald's not here, but can I say, please do encourage, you know, Donald and Deb and Mark and the other church leaders. Please do give them your prayerful support. There are two or three things you can do, I think. Uh, we all say that we'll pray for our leaders. It's the right thing to do, but it's easy to forget to do that. So give yourself some prompt to remember to pray for them. Maybe put something on, on your computer or, or on your phone. I'm not saying change the, change the photo of your loved one to be Deb or, or Donald or Mark. That would be a little bit odd to explain to others if you did that. But some prompt somewhere that reminds you to pray for them. Maybe also, because Donald in particular has been here a while, if you could give them the level of enthusiasm that you would if a new minister started. To the extent that you do that, they will be blessed and you will be blessed. And lastly, because I've led a church of a similar size to yours, could you give them some allowance for the complexity of the role? By that I mean, sometimes as a church leader, we don't do things, and we can't tell you why we've not done them, because there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on that we're not at liberty to say. If you could give some allowance for the complexity of the role, they will be blessed and you will be blessed. Or other times we do do things and people think, why have you done that? And we can't say why we've done that. But if you could give them some benefit of the doubt, as it were, they will be blessed and you will be blessed. Now, they have not asked me to say this. That isn't why they invited me here. And I'm not saying that with any axe to grind. I was blessed to be in a church that did that for me. But that may be the most important thing that I can bring to you. That said, when they invited me, they offered me a number of, I offered them a number of subjects I could speak on, and they picked this one. So if you don't like this one, it's entirely their fault, and blame them, and ignore what I just said. So confidence is there in that reading. You can see it there. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Here's the thing. Last time I was here, I used this illustration, but I'll use it again. Some of you will be familiar with it, but I'm making an extra point this time. There are 100 dots on that screen in a square. That represents the population of the UK. The red dots represents the Christians in the UK. Six dots. That's those who would identify themselves as Christians and attend church in person or online. Welcome if you're watching the video later at least once a month. Now, we can say, oh, that's not very many, and we can have, be a bit fearful of that, but nevertheless, we can invite people to the things that we do, and it's great to do that, like Alpha this week. Please do that. And so we have some influence, some connection with the white dots that might come into our events and our programs. That's good. 
but it's not the majority of our time. The majority of our time is much more like this. We're out and about, trying to make a difference wherever God has placed us, like in that video. And there, the same number of red dots, six, make connections and make a difference with so many more white dots. So how would it be then if when we're together, it is a half-time team talk about equipping and resourcing and encouraging for when we're apart? And when we're apart, we come back with stories for when we're together. That's the DNA of the organization that I'm privileged to serve, LICC. But there's one other element which we should admit, and it's something we've discovered. You may know it already. It's kind of an elephant in the room thing. It's a confidence thing. It is easier to be confident here than there, isn't it? For most of us, it is easier to be confident when we are together than when we are apart. It's easier to sing a little louder than to live a little bolder. And yet, surely our God calls us to do that. There are so many things that can knock our confidence as Christians in the UK today. But thankfully, there are a whole range of God-given things that can build our confidence. And one of the reasons that I've been asked to speak on this today is because we're just coming up to Lent, the season leading up to Easter, and the organization that I work for, LICC, we've written 40 days of Lent devotional material that's free, um, that will start in about 10 days' time on the 22nd of February, Ash Wednesday, and run for the 40 days of Lent. So six days in the week, you have Sunday off or a catch-up day if you've missed one, to look at this theme of confidence. And I'll put the link where you can get <coughs> that, um, that set of readings, but basically licc.org.uk forward slash confidence, and you can get the readings for free. Or if you use the version app, on your phone, then it's not there yet because they'll hold it back till a bit nearer the time, but from towards the end of next week, you'll be able to get it on the version app as well, both completely free. And if you run a small group here and you want to follow this over Lent and you're looking for a theme for the next six weeks, there are some small group material questions that you can download as well from the same website. <clears throat> so that reading again. Can you see that what it's saying is what Jeremiah is saying is, there is a special blessing for those who find confidence. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence in, is in him. But let's also notice that it's not self-confidence. So it's not the kind of confidence that is just in your personality. It's not arrogant confidence. It's the kind of kind, humble confidence that looks and smells like Jesus. So if you're the sort of person who already has confidence, God bless you. Like in a room this size, four or five of us, six or seven maybe, you know, on a good day, won't get this subject at all. You'll be thinking, you're out there when I'm a dot on my own, whether it's about words or deeds in my life, I have no problem with confidence. I have no problem with being confident and representing Jesus out there. And the rest of us, we thank God for you, but we want you to know that we don't feel like that always. And we need you to just bear with us and help us to find something of this God-given confidence. So it's not self-confidence, it's confidence in him. And again from the verse, it's linked to trust. Can you see that? 
the one who trusts in the Lord has confidence in him. And that makes sense because trust and confidence are similar words in English and in Hebrew. If I say to you, I have trust in you, and then I say, I have confidence in you, they're similar things. They don't mean wildly different things. And even here, the word used for trust elsewhere in the Old Testament is sometimes, sometimes translated confidence, and the word used for confidence elsewhere in the Old Testament is sometimes translated trust. If there's a difference, and I think there is a difference, it's, it's that trust is something you choose to do based on having enough to go on to trust in God, to make your statement of faith in him. Confidence is what flows from that, a kind of hope that dwells deep within because you have trusted in him. The rest of the reading that I read says that if you have that kind of confidence, then it bears fruit, and it bears fruit in all seasons, even when difficult things are going on. And when Jeremiah says that, he knows what he's talking about. Jeremiah had the most difficult of tasks, and he had enough reasons for his faith to, to go rather than grow, but he found enough confidence to keep going. He was told to shut up, he was beaten up, he was locked up, but he kept trusting and found enough to go on to have confidence. He had a God-given role to make this most difficult of messages to the king and God's people that they were not living right, and they didn't appreciate it, but he found enough confidence to keep going with it. So, I've said there are some bad news things that help us, that make confidence dwindle, dwindle away, but there are some God-giving things that can grow confidence. We've been trying to research those as an organisation, and over this devotional series, we think we found six that we think are really biblical principles. Six, I'm showing you with one hand, that's no good, is it? Six that we think are biblical principles. Let me rattle through them for you, because one or two of them will resonate with different ones of you. So, confidence, we are saying, grows through being convinced. That's particularly relevant to this reading. If I can remind myself why I believe, why I'm convinced, then my confidence grows as a result of that. The image on the screen is of somebody abseiling. Now, I've only abseiled a few times, but when I do, I, I just like to have some data that helps me to be convinced, and then my confidence grows. So, before I abseil, I'll quietly just talk to the instructor and, and ask about the strength tolerance of the rope and find out what the weight-bearing load of the, of the rope is. And I've been told before, well, it would hold a mini, It'll hold a small car. Now, I know I've put some weight on over lockdown, but that gives me some extra confidence, helps me to be convinced. I'll look at the knots that are tied on the anchor points and how strong the anchor points are. And if they look good, then I have greater confidence because I'm more convinced. I'll half-jokingly ask the instructor if they've done this before. Ha, ha, ha. And if they have, then I have greater confidence because I'm more convinced. And if somebody else goes before me, then I'm even more confident and I'm more convinced, you see. So it's worth then asking ourselves, what are the things that help us to be convinced of our faith in Jesus? I will look at that, I promise, but I want to talk to you about some of the others. 
Confidence grows through community. Here's the thing. With those dots, we feel alone, and therefore our confidence can dwindle away and diminish. But the truth is that we are not alone. Jesus promised to be with us always, all the days. And therefore, if I let it dwell that I'm not alone, my confidence can grow. On top of which, I'm part of a Christian community, as you are. And if we can support one another, then I might feel alone, but I'm not alone. And more than any other generation in history, you have the ability to support one another on your front lines. Because unlike any other generation in history, for most of us, you can drop a WhatsApp message or a text to somebody or an email to say, I've got your back, I'm praying for you for that thing that you are concerned about. My confidence grows if I've got the support of community. If I know there are people praying for me in the difficult things that I go through, then, I, then that helps me. And it gives me resolve because I know also they're going to ask me how it went when we're back together. So it helps me to have greater confidence. Confidence grows through compassion. Love wins, actually, over lack of confidence. If I have enough love for God and enough love for the people he's placed me with, then that will give me confidence. Or at least it will overrule any lack of confidence. Think of disasters in Ukraine. And um, even now, in what we're seeing in Turkey and Syria, so right that we're praying for, for those situations. A parent will do an incredibly brave thing, even if they lack confidence, to try to save their children in those circumstances. And we see that. They will, they will do incredible things. Why? Because they have enough compassion for the people they're doing it for. So compassion trumps lack of confidence. So I can ask God, God, please grow compassion in me, and that will help me to act with greater confidence. Confidence grows through consistent patterns, particularly having a consistent pattern of prayer and having a consistent pattern of Bible reading, such that when something comes up, it's not like I've got to suddenly find confidence. I've got this bank of reserve because I've got an ongoing journey with God. We've done some research into this as an organization. We've talked to churches who wanted to do this survey with us. We've asked what their current level of Bible reading and prayer is. Then we've assessed that and assessed their level of confidence and other things. Then we've introduced some prayer patterns that they can try. And then six months later or a year later, we've gone back and said, okay, let's measure again. Are you doing these things? Okay, what difference does it make? And it makes a massive difference to people if we've got those patterns. Now, part of the reason we're doing this reading is because many of us so easily just slip this devotional reading of 40 days is because many of us so easily just slip out of the pattern of daily reading. So if you have, maybe joining us and joining with others joining with us would be a really good thing to get you back on track. If you're already doing something else, then great. I wouldn't ask you to do anything other than what is working for you. Confidence grows through competence. Sometimes we lack confidence because we just think, I'm not going to be able to deal with the questions that come up. And therefore, I just, I just feel nervous about it. But one, Peter doesn't tell us to 
have every answer for every circumstance. It just says always be willing and ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. So we can practice some of the things that might come up and that will give us greater confidence. But let's also recognize that most of us have enough confidence to give the hope that we have. So confidence grows through competence. And lastly, sometimes confidence doesn't wait for us to just find enough confidence. Confidence grows as we go out there. Confidence grows with resolved courage. As I step out and do the bold thing, even feeling a little bit nervous, God meets me more than halfway. And confidence finds me there through God. So there's the six things over six weeks of Lent. That's what we look at. Now, I'm going to ask you an impossible question. It's almost impossible to remember six things in a sermon like that. You are doing well, honestly, if you can remember three of them. Perhaps one or two of them particularly struck you. So I'm going to ask you to turn to the person that you find yourself sitting with. If you don't know them, do introduce yourself. And see how many of those six things you can remember. They all began with C-O. So how many confidence things can you remember? I shall give you two minutes to do that now. Go. This is where those of you who are making notes can feel very smug now. I appreciate that. Well done, anyone who was. One minute to go, if you need it, one minute. <coughs> okay, I can tell it's going quiet. So, um, let's start the bar, you know, low. Who remembered at least two things in the group that you were chatting with? Okay. Who remembered three or more? Okay, that's good. That's good. Four or more? Excellent. Brilliant. Five or more? Wow. All six? All six. There is about three or four of you who remembered all six. Round of applause. We'll, tr we'll trust them. Round of applause for those, for those people. <coughs> You're doing better than the morning congregation already, I have to tell you that. Last the morning congregation, larger group, only two remembered all six, as it looked to me. Although somebody at the door 
um, afterwards thanked me for the sermon and told me that they'd remembered seven of the six, which I was, <laughs> I was very impressed with, which kind of means that you're making up your own sermon as you go along, but that's all good. That's all good. As I say, it may not be that you need to remember them. It may be that you want to journey with us one each week um, as you look at them, but that different ones resonate with different ones of us. Different ones are the key. We think they're all biblical. We'll expand a verse every day that kind of helps us to look at it. We'll look at stories of people that help us to look at those passages. If one in particular relates to the Jeremiah passage that I read, it's to do with being convinced because it says I've got enough to trust. Those who trust have confidence in him. So for today, when we gather like this, it's good to remind ourselves why we trust, why we're convinced, and that will help us to have confidence. So let me give you my starter for 10 on this. I remind myself of this often. My confidence is ultimately not in me. It's in the unwavering love of God and on his son and on the cross. And even the passage in Jeremiah talks about in difficult times. So in difficult times, I need to remind myself why I have confidence, why I'm therefore convinced, why I have trust. I'm convinced and I trust in the message of Jesus because I look at the world and creation and I see enough evidence that points to me of a creator, of a designer, of an intelligent designer at that. I'm convinced because as a pastor, I get to see people right at the very end of their lives. It's a huge privilege. And when I do that, I'm convinced that there is something not entirely right about that. It's part of a broken world. But I'm also convinced that when they die, that that's not it, that there is more. And that that more points to God, points to eternity. I'm also convinced that the other end of life, because as a pastor, I get to see people soon after a new baby has been born. Not straight away, that would be weird. But soon after, and when I see a baby, I'm convinced that there is more than the sum of the wriggling parts. That there is a soul there. And that that soul points to God. I'm convinced most of all because of Jesus. Because I find his words and his teaching compelling because they've lasted across cultures and across times. My family were from Sri Lanka on my dad's side and we've traveled to Sri Lanka a number of times and to other places in the world and I know that my teaching doesn't cross cultures particularly well at different times. I'm basically somebody of second generation mixed race British and I have a particular niche where I can do some things and otherwise I have to work really hard. So, you know, I've told illustrations and stories about cricket in Malawi, not knowing they don't play cricket in Malawi, and it didn't go down very well. But I know that Jesus' messages are cross-cultural and across time. And, and, and more than that, his, his, his birth and his death and his resurrection are compelling. I've looked as best I can at the evidence for the resurrection, and I find it compelling. And more than that, those first disciples found it compelling, such that they were prepared to stake their very lives on it, the majority of them. And if they were prepared to do that, I find that helps me to be convinced and trust. And that gives me greater confidence too. I'm convinced because of the power of the Holy Spirit in a whole variety of ways in people's lives today. I'm convinced because the example of Christians and how beautiful 
that can be. I'm convinced because of the difference it makes when somebody turns to Jesus for the first time. These are some of my reasons. Your reasons might be the same or different, but that's one of the things we can do. In sung worship, in messages, in prayers, when we gather together to remind ourselves why we trust. And then if we can remind ourselves why we trust, then we have greater confidence when we're out and about because we are convinced. And let's be clear, I'm not just talking about having enough confidence to tell other people about Jesus, that's part of it. I'm talking about having enough confidence to live as salt and light in the whole range of ways he might call you to do that. Each of those weeks of looking at the devotional study has a story on one of the days, the last day normally. So let me give you one example. It's a person I know. We've called his name Greg in the devotional series. He was a marine biologist and his his work was on the south coast to look at the effect that marine industries were having um, on the south coast seabed. And one particular marine company was wanting to remove some aggregates for the building trade from the seabed, employed him to do some research. Now, Greg's a Christian, but they said to him, now, please find that we don't have much negative environmental effect. So he does his research, and he finds that they do have a massive negative effect. At that point, confidence is an issue. His job is at stake. But so is his commitment to Jesus and to being true. So he has confidence from compassion because of God's world and community at the very least because his home group pray for him, his family pray for him, we pray for him. And he stays true to his convictions and he produces his report that says the negative effect. And I have to tell you that he lost his job. But we carried on praying for him. He stood for the truth And now he's in a better job. But he had enough confidence in that because of some of the things that we are saying. So what we are saying today is that there is this interplay, a beautiful interplay, between gathered confidence um, and then scattered confidence. And it can look like this. Being convinced, supportive community, cultivating compassion, daily consistency, and developing uh, competence, and resolved courage. All those things can help confidence. Now, this is in your news if you're on the church suite, but if you want the link to get it, you can use that QR code, or just go licc.org.uk forward slash confidence, and that will take it there. Please don't misunderstand me. I don't mind if you use our readings or not. If you've already got something that builds up your faith and helps it to be relevant for tomorrow, please keep with that. But it could be that you just need something to get back on track with Bible reading and prayer. If so, then join this. It could be that confidence resonates with you as an issue. You're not one of the five people for whom this isn't an issue and this resonates with you. It could be that the community aspect of a few of us doing it together and a few hundred doing it together in the UK actually resonates with you. In which case, join us. Please join us. For today, let's remind ourselves of this. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. If I can remind myself why I'm convinced, then I choose to place my trust in him If I choose to place my trust in him, my confidence grows. And I'm blessed and I'm fruitful. And other people are blessed around me. If I have confidence in him, 
I have all the confidence I need. I can sing a little louder on Sunday and I can live a little bolder on Monday. First question, is overconfidence a thing or just a worldly view designed to suppress the confident? <laughs> well, there's a cultural element to, to confidence. So some things that are seen as overconfidence in British culture are not seen as overconfidence, say, in America or in Australian culture or other places. So there's a cultural element to that. But yeah, I think you can be overconfident, but that isn't, what, that isn't the issue for most of us. The issue for most of us is do we have enough kind, humble confidence? This one's quite a long one. You talk of church like being a half-time team talk, that our meeting together as a local church should function to refresh and equip God's people, that we may then be sent back out onto our respective front lines. Is it possible that churches, in rightly wanting to reach non-believers and see people come to faith in Jesus, can over-cater their services and activities to be so accessible to non-believers that evangelistic efforts are inadvertently shot in the foot? How do churches get the right balance in both going deeper while also remaining relevant and welcoming to non-Christians? Wow. Well, it's good to do, it is good to do both, and we try to do both in our church, and it is a challenge um, to do both, to equip people who are coming in seeking, and if that's you, welcome. You know, you're more blessed, um, you're more welcome than you know, and I hope I didn't say anything that would put you off in any way, but it, I think it is, I think people who are seeking are quite happy to eavesdrop while they're seeking. So to equip people who have come as believers and to have people who are quite happy to eavesdrop, I think can work. I think you can reach more than one group at once. I think, you know, Walt Disney can do it. And if Walt Disney can do it, our God can do it. So enough prayer in something and God can re do more than one thing with one set of messages. Brilliant. Last question. What advice would you give young adult you relating to your walk with Jesus? <laughs> young adult me. Well... Um, I, I, I can drop off the radar on this um, just as easily as anybody else and um, so equally so at different times with, with, uh, with prayer and with, with a consistent daily devotion so more I would say to the young adult me spend more time in prayer <laughs>